This is the Championship Club Podcast, the show that shines a light on English rugby's second flight. Join us every fortnight and check us out on the socials at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Championship Clubs Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Hancock. Uh, we've promised you a state of the game pod for a couple of weeks now. There's been a little bit of rugby, obviously, over the festive periods uh, here and there. But delighted to say that we're going to be joined today by former long-standing Leicester Tigers CEO Simon Cohen. First of all, uh, Simon, big thanks for, for joining us on the pod. Thanks, thanks for coming on. Pleasure. Nice to be here. And uh, just for the benefit of everyone listening today, could you just explain your role on the on the CCC? It's the non-executive director of the championship, isn't it? Yeah, the constitution's always allowed for a, a non-executive director. And I'm a big believer that the more independence you have in governance, probably the better it is. I spoke to a number of the club chairmen, and as a result of that, was co-opted onto the committee as the non as the independent non-exec. So, what your experience has been so far with the the CCC? You've been involved now for for a little while behind the scenes, but obviously, you know more more and more is coming out in uh, in the weeks ahead, uh, as I believe as well. Oh, look, I I think the championship is uh, a very different animal politically to the Premiership, to what I've seen for most of my working life. Um, it's, it's a much better organisation in lots of ways. The chairman and owners are, are much more consistent in their desire to do what's best for the league rather than uh, their own individual self-interest. Um, it's uh, Obviously, it's the top of the competitive pyramid. So it's at, and, and it's at an interesting stage because I think something really good could come out of these uh, negotiations. So so I think it's a really positive product in a really positive place. The difficulty seems to be that the rugby union are trying to take tier two into a, down a different channel in a different direction, which for, for me doesn't seem to make sense, doesn't tie in with what stated objectives are. So as ever in rugby, the championship, like every other league, is in an interesting place. So I suppose that that Sort of brings me on to my next question in terms of where are we now? I suppose the big question that the people, the public, you know, the people that, that are watching and the, the championship, they've heard lots of plans, they've heard plenty of gossip, they've seen plenty of changes. Can you sort of give us what the actual, the truth is now to where we are at the moment? Well, look, I, I think the truth is pretty much out there. The rugby union are very intent on a franchised tier two which they would like to be called Prem 2. They would like it to be linked into the Premiership. They would like it to, for each team just to be a, a sort of a little brother of a Premiership team. They would like to create a geographical spread. And um, the Championship is very much of the view that a meritocracy is the best way forward because what that does is it puts the best rugby playing teams at the top of that of that pyramid, and that creates best players, best coaches, best and more importantly, best for the future of English rugby. I think the rugby union's um, direction of travel is predicated on their view, rightly so, probably that uh, the England teams, the England team, generate ninety five percent of the revenue that the rugby union gets. Now you can have an argument about allocation and. There will be an argument about how you allocate those funds. But those are funds that are created by, effectively, the England team playing at Twickenham. They want the best England team out there. Now, for me, 
meritocracy is by far and away the best way of getting that best England team out there. I don't see that simply parachuting Phoenix clubs into a league or putting clubs in there because of their geographical spread or putting clubs in there because they have a big screen is is the right way to achieve that aim. On that, in terms of you know where we are and you're saying that, that things are out there now, we've obviously seen uh, the latest press release from the from the championship clubs uh, drop on, on Wednesday afternoon. I'll just read that out to you, Simon. You just give me your, your thoughts on that afterwards. It just... It starts, we, we emphasised in our last statement our principled objections to a, a franchise or selection-based Tier 2. Rather than seek to discuss these objections and others, the RFU has chosen to threaten us with effective relegation to the National Leagues for non-compliance, while ignoring the unresolved questions of governance, commercial strategy, promotion relegation, player welfare and the player development pathway. We have offered alternative proposals on the way forward to the board without response. The current RFU plan to present any recommendation to council was extremely premature until such fundamental issues are addressed and consensus reached so that the game can move forward via an agreement rather than ultimatum. We would appeal to council not to approve any plans for tier two until our proposals are discussed in detail and there is full clarity on these fundamental issues. We have discussed this matter with Sport England because without further clarity on funding and governance, it will be impossible to ensure that championship clubs are able to repay their COVID loans. We believe they share our concerns. We believe that no club can place value on a process involving expressions of interest when there is so little necessary detail. However, we can only act for ourselves and consequently the 11 current championship clubs request that the board sets an urgent date to hear in full our amended proposals, proposals which share all of the RFU's objectives, albeit reached via different routes, which we consider achievable, pragmatic and full of vision for the future growth of the game. Just your thoughts on that, Simon. Yeah, well, look, the, the difficulty has been throughout this process that the rugby union came up with their desired outcome, didn't really tell anybody about it, has leaked that desired outcome at various stages throughout the process, both to the Daily Telegraph and to and and to the championship clubs throughout the process, but as a fait accompli. There's been lip service towards a discussion in some areas, but the rugby union have always had um, a, a goal that they've, that they've refused to compromise in any way, shape or form, which has made it really difficult for the, for the championship because, as I say, we believe that we, the championship, believe that we have a better route to achieving what the rugby union ideally wants to achieve. And, and there seems to be very little discussion. And the comments by Bill Sweeney the other week around the league being non-investable seems to be somewhat disrespectful to an organisation which has stood the test of COVID, etc., better than most sporting organisations, which has done a pretty good job of self-financing and, and pretty much self-governing itself. And it's created a very decent, um, a very decent brand. And what the championship clubs feel very frustrated about is that instead of being listened to with all the experience they have and getting the support to get to where they need to get, they're having to fight this battle at every, every single turn. Like any good uh, championship clubs podcast, you've uh, you've answered my my next question there. Obviously, the comments on on Bill Sweeney, we saw. 
in the rugby paper as well. Simon Halliday's retort to that before this press release came out. Simon Halliday, of course, is the the chair of the of the CCC. How important is is his role, and and how hard is he working as well to to get the right outcome for the for the clubs in the championship? Oh, look, I can't believe how much work Simon does on it. It's and again, it's it's a battle against the odds because the rugby union employ in every meeting they've got consultants strategic directors loads of staff loads of people that i've never come across in a lifetime in the game but they are all employed to present the rugby union's case in the way that the rugby union would like it to be presented simon effectively with with you know, assistance from lots of people in lots of clubs within the championship, but still he has to pull it all together um, pretty much by himself. He spends what seems to me more hours than you would do on a full-time job doing that. I think his connections with the game within the game are really important. He's obviously on the council. He's been chairman of EPCR. He's associated with Bath. He's played for England. His, you know, some of his co- former playing colleagues were are on the PGB. I think those connections are really important. But the way he does it in trying to be inclusive to to everybody, I think is he does a fantastic job. Because although everybody's pulling in the same directions, people do have different interests, not vested interests in the same way as. The premiership has that pulls them apart. But people have different different situations, and it ranges from a league that is full time at one end of the league to part time at the other end of the league. The difference in facilities between clubs is is significant, and and bringing all those interests together and keeping them heading in the same direction, I think, has been an incredible achievement, really. And another name, obviously, we've heard a little bit about, obviously, in the in the press is Ben Blanco. And, and I suppose another question to you is where where does he come in? Um, how the commercial plans are coming along uh, and, and the impact that he's looking to make as well? Well, I think Ben Blanco is an outstanding commercial administrator. He's proved that in the past with his work with Heineken. Um, he is employed by the rugby union with a brief to assist the championship. I think if we can, if we the championship can secure our rights, commercial rights in an unfettered way, then I think Ben will be able to bring huge financial value to the league. And when I say in an unfettered way, what I mean is, for instance, if we, as a title sponsor for the league, found a competitor to Gallagher's, would be allowed? Would we be allowed to do that? That's unresolved at the moment, but I think the championship is a separate entity. It should have all its commercial rights. It should be able to drive whatever income it can from those rights. And I think Ben would be um, as good as anybody and better at most that, at driving that. And also, I think his thinking, he understands the championship. He gets it. And I think his thinking around around not just driving revenue, but is thinking about how we position ourselves in the league is a really important component. You know, he if we can't get a title sponsor, he's saying, well, we should be working with a charity. What does that charity look like? How can we help that charity? 
And I think that looking at that from a league-wide point of view is is really, really important. And another element, I suppose, of the, the commercial deal that you know, would be extremely beneficial to the to the championship is is the television rights. Um, obviously, we saw last season um, a lot of games uh, streamed free to air. This, that was post Christmas. We obviously haven't seen that in the in the first half of this season. Are, are there any plans afoot for a television deal? And is there any noise around streaming for the second half of this season? Because we've got a, we've got a good title race in the in the league, and you know that it's behind a wall at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, look, I think that television piece is really difficult because of the production costs to do it properly. We're in a position where everybody would like TV. So in your ideal world, at the top, very top of the pyramid, just free to air. But you want you want to do it properly. So I think I think you know, what the championship has done really well is it's worked within its means. Now I know we've lost Jersey, but we haven't lost three clubs like the Premiership have. And we're not in the same dire situation as some of the Premiership clubs are because they're in a situation where they lose one more club. They don't have a league. There is no there is no Premiership, really. Whereas I, I think not only is the Championship in a pretty good place, given that money is very difficult, but there are clubs in National One who who are really willing and able to come up and contribute to 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 the championship so i think we're we the championship are in a pretty stable position and part of the reason for that is that we haven't spent money unnecessarily mainly because we haven't had money to spend unnecessarily but i think we've done very well with the limited resource so it's just a question of cost benefit but it's something that Ben is working very hard on because obviously the more eyeballs you can get on what is a very attractive proposition in terms of what you actually see on the pitch. You know, I'm watching a lot of rugby at the moment and a lot of the premiership games, although they're quite close um, and people label them as exciting because they're close, the quality is not great. There's a lot of kicking that bath the piece in the Bath Gloucester game has gone pretty viral. Uh, and, and I actually think there is more attractive rugby being played in the Championship. So the more we can put that out there, the better it will be. So it's something that's quite high on Ben's uh, list of priorities without a shadow of doubt. I completely agree. I think uh, the Championship social media channels are particularly good at that. Ryan, our producer, smirking in the the top left of my screen, as I as I see it, there, Bedford Blues have almost trademarked the uh, the t- the try of the week uh, award because they play some, some nice stuff, and Nottingham are catching them up on the on the on the outside rails. But in terms of you talk about the, the Premiership there a, a second ago, obviously that there is on the table at the moment the, the promotion playoff at the end of the season, and, and obviously there'll be a lot of eyes on that should it should it happen. When will we hear about minimum standards for next season and for those that have applied? And can you see that? that playoff happening and, and obviously being in front of loads of eyes on, on the TV? Well, I, I think I think there's a couple of questions there. I think the rugby union currently are asking for expressions of interest by the middle of January in their sort of franchised tier two, Prem two um, ideal. Uh, and thereafter, presumably they'll go through some sort of tender process. Uh, I'm not sure where the championship clubs will be at the moment. They're pretty unanimous that they don't want to get involved in a in a in a franchise league. Uh, 
so that's that's one part of your question, the timing on that. The second part is the the playoffs. Um, for me, it's uh, the Premiership clubs have shot themselves completely in the foot by not having promotion relegation. There is significantly less interest in the Premiership because of that. So they have a ten team league. It's um, there are not a lot of games being played from now till the end of the season. Lots of fans are complaining about the lack of home games here on in. Um, and there is a lack of equal funding uh, because of the P-share arrangement, which makes it really difficult for a promoted team to, to compete on a level playing field. As I understand it at the moment, I think only Doncaster are capable of meeting the premiership criteria. Um, they they yeah. would therefore have to win the league to take part in a playoff. There is a movement within the championship that says we probably shouldn't uh, cooperate with this inequitable arrangement until such time as it becomes equitable. Um, because because it seems a little bit of a pointless exercise that is driven by the by the premiership simply to tick a box with their various funders that they do allow promotion and relegation, whereas the reality of it is that it's pretty much a closed shop. So that certainly is one of the talking points between the Premiership and the Championship. I mean, it, it used to be fantastic TV viewing. If you look at those games involving Exeter, involving Bristol, involving Worcester, uh, just, just fantastic viewing. And you'd like to get back to that at some point. I think the whole system should be a meritocratic system. Somebody should go down, somebody should go up because people need to be playing for something and that is the big thing that you play for, not to be relegated to win the league if you're in the top league, to be promoted if you're in a league below. Uh, it's an important part of competitive element. People keep talking about American sports where there is no promotion relegation. They talk about the NFL, but it's a completely different model built on a different sporting culture. And we need to try and be innovative in a way that accords with our sporting culture, not in a way that goes against it. And, and you know, people, sports fans in the UK, negation because that's part of their sporting culture. They want to be playing at home every other weekend. They want a cup competition that is an icing on is an icing on the cake, but not the bread and butter. That's the sort of thing that's always gone down well with English British sporting fans. Completely agree. And one of the other things we've discussed there, and, and is obviously out there, is that PRL got recently did get their new deal. The urgency for the championship, of course, has been for many years since since COVID. So I guess if you're able to to provide it, what, what kind of timeline are we looking at here? Well, I think everybody's assuming that next season will be very similar to this season and we, put, we, we want to get something in place for the season after. The Championship are of the view that a lot of the things that they would like to put, put in place can be put in place for next season um, and, and we would like the freedom and flexibility to discuss those options, put them before council. For instance, I mean, look, there, there is discussion about what the right number of teams in the championship is. 
and it's a purely personal view, but for me, I'd like to see 14 um, because I think you can get close to that being at home every other weekend, which sets a routine for your season ticket holders and your fans, which I think is really helpful. You've got to be very careful about playing well there. We've got to get that piece right, and you can't have too many uh, fans. Uh, you can't have players playing too many games. Um, there's a, there's a piece around the Premiership Cup and what that looks like. I didn't think it was terribly satisfactory overall as a league this year. Although for some teams it's been great, some teams have had great home crowds. Some teams have beaten Premiership opposition. Uh, Ealing are in the semi-final against Tigers, which is which is fantastic, but. Did the whole league benefit in the best way possible? Uh, I'm not entirely sure it did. I think there are there are some options around that. Again, something I quite like is um, if we're going to get a decent sort of a decent number of home games for teams and something the fans can buy into. Probably the right number for a Premiership Cup would be maybe 16. Well. If you look at that sort of scenario, you might have six, the top six clubs going into the Premiership Club. You might have whatever that next number is, maybe six, going into a National Cup with, with National One. That, that sort of scenario would give something else to play for within the league structure. Um, you know, so, so I think there are some options that we would like to be further, we as the Championship would like to be further down the road at looking at. But whilst the governance position is that everything we do has to be regulated by and approved by the union, and they're quite slow to look at these things if it doesn't fit in with their agenda, it is quite hard. Just to, just to wrap things up there, Simon, a double, sort of a double question really. It's uh might amalgamate into one in terms of your answer, but just from you, what what is the best route forward from here in your opinion and, and what would you like to see? It might be a bit of both. Uh, well, look, um, my, my personal position is, uh, as I think I've outlined that already, I'd like to see a meritocratic league. I'd like to see one up, one down at, at, at both ends. I'd like to see 14 teams and I'd like to see that two-tiered Premier Cup. I've seen quite a lot of National One games, um, and I think at the top end, the top end of National One and the bottom end of the Championship are, as you expect, in playing terms, not very different. And that could be very competitive. That that sort of uh, situation, I think, would would drive interest. Would be competitive. Would be good for the game on a meritocratic basis. If the, if the rugby union want to drive higher standards within our league, then it has to be funded somehow. So why don't they talk why don't they talk instead of coming out with their own version of what they think that looks like, why don't they talk to us around around what standards are best for the game as a whole? How are they going to fund that? Because the the championship clubs are funded to they fund themselves as much as they possibly can, I think. And everything, anything else is going to be funded primarily by the rugby union. Now, the rugby union 
have a choice about how they allocate their their revenue. So their revenue is their revenue. Um, they've committed to 200 million over 10 years to the women's game. They've committed to 33 million pounds a year to the premiership. They don't seem to be committing significant figures to the championship that is proportionate to those two sums, given what the championship drives. And some of the way those allocation choices have been made seem somewhat strange to me in that, for instance, the salary cap four million. The rugby union used to give 13 clubs 28 million pounds a year. They're now going to give 10 clubs 33 million pounds a year. That means the rugby union have chosen to give roughly 15 million pounds a year out of what is the rugby community's money to ensure that the set, exactly the same players in the Premiership are paid more money because that extra, the extra money effectively pays the salary cap top up. Now, the rugby union have said as part of their agreement with the Premiership that they'll reduce the numbers in the squads. They're talking about 37 and 12. 37 first team, 12 transition as a maximum number of squad size, which I think in itself presents opportunities for the championship. But that's by the by. What it will mean is that the extra one and a half million per club that they're paying is effectively paid out of the rugby union's increased payment to the, to the premiership clubs. That seems a strange choice of allocation when you think what the championship clubs achieve on such limited funding and what they could do with some of that extra money. Thanks very much, Simon. I mean, it's been extremely uh, insightful. It's, it's probably going to answer quite a lot of people's questions. I think everyone's been dying to hear something, not necessarily just from the pod, but just in general from, you know, from the CCC and from, from someone who's had such a, a long and, and well-respected career in the game from you. So, like I say, thanks again very much for for joining us, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be uh, in touch again soon. We'll have you on with some some positive news. All right, thank you very much. Nice chatting. Cheers. Cheers, Simon. Bye. Bye. That was the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to come back in a fortnight's time and follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter.